Um, I have just a very simple message that I want to share with you, with you this morning from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. As you see up on the display there, it's uh, titled, What is Saving Faith? What is Saving Faith? And so in order to do that, I'm going to ask you to stand briefly while I read from God's Word those two brief but important verses. A great letter from the Apostle Paul, a great chapter in that letter, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in hope of the glory of God. Father in heaven, we ask this morning as we look into your word that your spirit would illumine our minds and hearts. Lord, may we see the, the beauty and the enormity of your grace given to us. And Lord, we pray that that grace would accomplish its work in each one here. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. There are three words used to describe the Christian experience, which are repeated frequently throughout the New Testament. If you read your Bibles, which I hope you do every single day, as you read through the New Testament, you will see these three words repeatedly. They are the words faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Hope you will find 77 times in the New Testament. The word love you will read 200 times. And most of those times, it's used in a good sense. The word faith, and I was surprised by this, faith we read even more than the word love. 226 times, at least in the New American Standard Bible, which is my preferred version. <clears throat> this morning, what I want to do is I want to focus on this word faith. It is so critical to the Christian experience and it's a word that we often hear in our culture. People use this word often. And it's used in a number of different ways. For example, someone might be going through a difficult time in their life. And one of their friends, maybe more than one of their friends, will want to encourage them. And they'll say to them, just have faith. It's going to work out. Have you ever had somebody tell you that? Just have faith. It's going, to get, it's going to be okay. You know, sometimes that's true. Things do work out, and they do turn out okay. But often, they don't. Often, they don't. But probably the most prevalent idea floating around in our day is that of having faith in yourself. Now, that first phrase, just have faith, is an expression where they don't really say who or what you are supposed to have faith in. They just say, have faith that it will work out okay. Just believe. Believe that it's going to be okay. 
But the more common use of the word faith in our culture is this idea of have faith in yourself. And you know, it makes sense that that concept is widespread in a culture that values the individual self above all other entities, isn't it? Today, what matters most is personal happiness and fulfillment. However that is to be achieved is up to the individual, and as long as it doesn't involve anything illegal, no one else has any right to challenge what a person does in pursuit of that personal fulfillment. And a major component in achieving personal happiness and fulfillment is for you to believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. There's no lack of in the number of resources out there to help you in this quest. You can find find books, you can find videos, you can find coaches, you can find websites that will help you along this journey to believe in yourself. Now, is it a good thing to have faith? And is it a good thing to hope that things will work out? Yes. Is it a good thing to have faith in yourself? Sometimes. If you're going to go for a job interview, you want to be confident that you are going to be able to fulfill the requirements of this job and you want to convince the prospective employer that you can do it, right? So so it's not necessarily a bad thing to have faith in yourself. But you know what? I've had faith in myself and I've failed myself. Have you ever failed yourself? Having faith in myself is not really the ultimate solution. Having faith in yourself is not the ultimate solution. Another popular idea is that of belief in God. Believe it or not, in our secular, modern, Western society, the idea of having faith in God is still prevalent. In fact, in a recent survey, over 80% of people in the United States claim To believe in God. But I think it's important for us to understand that for most people, and it's a struggle for us as well, the God that we believe in is most often a God of our own making. And this is an important reality for us to embrace. And what I mean by this is that through our own personal experience, which is very big, and our life perspective, we, end, we tend to develop in our own minds a concept of what we believe God should be like, of, of who God is. And that concept is often based on the idea, the idea of a being who is greater and more powerful than we are and who exists to make our lives good. Does that sound familiar? This is really the, a very common notion of who God is. And as, I, and as I said, I think even those of us who claim to believe this book, which we believe to be the revealed word of God, we still tend to struggle with that idea. Uh, in contrast to that, the Bible claims to be the revelation of the one true God. 
in human experience, we cannot really know another person unless that person reveals truths about themselves to us. Is that not true? Just in human relationships, we recognize that I can't know you any more than you open yourself up and reveal yourself to me. And I can't be so arrogant as to say, this is who you are, if I've never really known you. And in fact, we see this played out day in and day out in our culture. People accuse one another of things all the time. And people attack each other's characters all the time. And social media has just um, exploded that reality. But if we can't know each other as human beings, how could we know God if God doesn't reveal himself to us? And we believe, as Bible-believing followers of Christ, that God has revealed himself through his word. He has revealed himself to us as the creator of all things. He is the creator. We are the creatures. So it's important for us to remember when we talk about this matter of faith, and it's particularly faith in God, we don't define who God is. We must allow him to tell us who he is and to teach us who he is. Now, when the Bible speaks of faith, which it does often, as I mentioned earlier, it never speaks of it in terms of just believing. Just believe and everything will be okay. It never speaks in terms of believe in yourself. And it does convey clearly in both the Old and New Testaments that God has revealed himself to us through his word and particularly through Jesus Christ, his son, and that our relationship to God is dependent upon our faith in what he has revealed to us about himself. In other words, just like you can't have a relationship with another person without really knowing who they are, you can't really have a relationship with God without knowing who he is, although we cannot fully know who God is. And we have to believe what the person we are having a relationship with reveals about themselves. We must believe, we must have faith in what God has revealed about himself. And so that's the faith that I want us to focus on this morning. So what kind of faith is necessary in order to have a personal relationship with the God of the universe who created us? Well, first, it is a faith that embraces God's word as truth. Verse 1 of Romans chapter 5, which we read, which I read just a few moments ago, begins by saying, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. The truths implied here, if you, as you read this, as you hear this, the truths implied here are that without faith, we are condemned 
for wrongdoing because it is through faith that we are justified. We are declared to be right. And that we cannot without faith have peace with God. We can't. So if we have no faith, we are condemned for our wrongdoing before God, and we are not at peace with God. And a little bit later on, verse 10, I think it is, Paul says, he calls us enemies, that when we were enemies of God, he sent his son, Jesus Christ. So the Bible is telling us something here about ourselves, and it is telling us something here about God. Up to this point in the book of Romans, Paul has been establishing the reality of the human condition. And that condition, he says, is the result of our rejection of God's revelation of himself to us. We don't want to believe what he says about himself. Romans 1, 18 through 20 describes this. Paul describes this reality here. The wrath of God, he says, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because, and this is the key, that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world... His invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. We cannot fully comprehend God. But Paul says here that God's eternal power and his divine nature are clearly seen in the created world around us. God is speaking to us through the world he created. He is, he is informing us of truth about who he is through the world that he created. And embracing the truth that he is the creator and we are the creatures who have rebelled against our creator is the first step to faith in God. But we are not only God's enemies. We are not only standing condemned for the wrongdoing, but we are also helpless to change ourselves. And we're helpless to change that relationship on our own. Verse 6 of the same chapter 5, he says, While we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So God has revealed truth about himself and about us in his word. And in order to have a restored relationship with him, which we have broken, he says we need to believe this first truth. Faith faith in the God revealed in the Bible embraces the truth of our human condition as revealed in the Bible. We are the condemned enemies of God and helpless to do anything about it. That doesn't sound too good, does it? But that's who we are. Every single person born is born into this condition. We are the condemned enemies of God and helpless to do anything about it. 
But then verse 1 goes on to say that our peace with God is through Jesus Christ. Our peace with God is through Jesus Christ. The New Testament is clear that for a person to be reconciled to God, to no longer be the enemy of God, that person's faith must be in Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Now that is an incredibly exclusive proclamation. Do you think about that? He didn't say, I am a way. I am one of many truths. I am a life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And that no one comes to the Father except through him. Peter, speaking of Jesus, said, There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. But who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? The Apostle John writes this about him. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What's he talking about? The Word. The Word was in the beginning. It was with God, and the Word was God. He goes on to say, the Word became flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. He's talking about Jesus here. Jesus is God come in the flesh. Paul wrote, in Jesus Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And the writer of Hebrews, three different New Testament writers here. The writer of Hebrews says, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. Isn't that incredible to realize? I mean, if you are a follower of Christ this morning, this is the truth that you have embraced. This is the truth that you believe. God came in human form in the person of Jesus Christ. And he walked this earth. He lived among us. Don't ever get used to that. (laughs) Don't ever let that be, oh yeah, that's what we believe. It is amazing. And do you see how amazing that truth is? Faith in God is rooted in the truth that God the Son entered this world as a man for the purpose of bringing about our reconciliation with God, that we could be restored to a right relationship with our Creator. He is the only means of that reconciliation. There is no other way to God. So faith in the God of the Bible, this faith that we're looking at this morning, faith in the God of the Bible, first embraces the truth of our human condition as God has revealed it to us. We are condemned enemies and helpless to do anything about it. But secondly, faith is 
in the truth of who Jesus Christ is. He is God, come in the flesh, and there is no salvation, as Peter said, no salvation, no coming to God apart from Christ. But this faith, this saving faith that I mentioned in the title of my sermon, it is not enough to believe just that I'm an enemy of God because of my sin and to believe that God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. As I mentioned just a few minutes ago, there is a reason he came. He did not come just to pay us a visit. He did not come just to be an example of how we are to live. When Jesus lived and walked this earth, he told his disciples that this is why he had come. He said, I have come to give my life a ransom for many. I have, that's the purpose I came into this world. I came to give my life as a ransom. You know what a ransom is? It, it, it's a, 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 a payment to set someone free. It's a payment. Uh, have any of you ever heard of O. Henry, the short story writer? And his book called The Ransom of Red Chief? Have any of you ever, ever heard that? Oh, my, my. You've got to go online. You, got, you need to read The Ransom of Red Chief. I'm, I'm telling you. Read it to your kids. It's a story about a feisty little boy who gets kidnapped and the robbers or the kidnappers are demanding a ransom and they don't realize what kind of a little boy they have on their hands. <laughs> That's all I'm going to tell you. You go home and read that book, The Ransom of Red Chief. But, but that's what's happening in that little story. These, these kidnappers are demanding money in order to release and give that boy back. Well, Jesus came in order to ransom many, to, to pay the payment that would set us free. Going back to Paul's letter to the Romans, Paul tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. And I know that these are very familiar verses to you, but they should never become so familiar that we don't have joy when we read them. He is speaking of more than physical death. Because of our sin, we are separated from God in spiritual death, and that is what we are helpless to change. But if we go back to verse 6 of Romans chapter 5, we see that while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus came to die in our place. He came to take our separation from God upon himself. He was our substitute when he died on the cross 2,000 years ago. So, this faith that we are talking about this morning, this faith in the true God, first embraces the truth of our human condition as revealed in God's word. Secondly, it embraces the truth of who Jesus is, God come in the flesh. And thirdly, it embraces the truth of what Jesus did for us. These are all truths that have been revealed to us in God's word. We could know them no other way. And true faith in God embraces them all. This faith 
is what the Bible teaches as saving faith. It is putting your trust in Jesus Christ as God the Son, who came to die on the cross in your place, paying the penalty for your rebellion against God. It is not simply affirming in your mind that these things are true. It is embracing it as truth for yourself. It is taking hold of Jesus by faith as Paul describes the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He loves you and gave himself for you. Pause. Think about it. God himself loves me and took my punishment, the punishment I deserve for my rebellion against him. He took it upon himself in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. That is unbelievable. Do you know that? We believe the unbelievable. That that God would do that. But that is saving faith. But there's an important question, a really important question related to saving faith that I also want us to consider this morning. We need to answer this question. And that question is, How do I know if my faith is truly saving faith? How do I know if it is more than simply agreeing in my mind that these things are true? How do I know that if I have truly taken hold, how do I know that I have truly taken hold of Christ by faith? Now, I know that sounds like three questions. But that's really the same question just asked in three different ways. And this question is really important for a couple of reasons. We all know people who have professed faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, We know people who have seemed to have saving faith. It looks like they, they were genuinely followers of Christ Outward evidences even could have been numerous. Uh, They were excited to learn what the Bible teaches. They enjoyed being with other believers. Maybe they got involved in some kind of ministry. But after a while, they kind of just drifted away from Christ. And they no longer follow him. And I'm sure that all of you here know people like that. Another reason is because even in the Bible, we see people who are described as believing in Jesus, but then we discover they didn't really believe in Jesus. We see this quite a bit, in fact, in the Gospel of John. Um, I I preached through the Gospel of John, and I, I was stunned by how often that concept came up. I'll just give you the first and probably the most surprising that we find in John chapter 2. It says this, Now when he, Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, listen, many believed in his name 
observing his signs which he was doing. Now that sounds like a lot of people are believing in Jesus, doesn't it? But then it goes on to say, but Jesus on his part was not entrusting himself to them for he knew all men and because he did not need anyone to testify concerning man for he himself knew what was in man. In other words, the writer here, John, the Apostle John, is saying many people believed in Jesus' name, but they didn't really believe in Jesus' name. They verbally expressed it, but it was not rooted in their heart. Jesus knew their hearts, and even though they claimed to believe in his name, he knew their profession of faith was not from the heart. Jesus himself also gave the parable of the sower, the sower going out and spreading the seed and the seed landing on different types of soil. And he said that there are, that some of that seed fell on rocky soil. And what happened with the rocky soil was that it, it, it sprouted quickly and then died. And he, and he explained that this, this was a picture of those who seemed to believe in Christ, but then when things got tough, they walked away. Now, I'm, this isn't what I bargained for, in a sense. And then the thorny soil was seed that was choked out, Jesus said, by the deceitfulness of riches, the worries of the world, and the desires for other things. So there are numerous examples in the New Testament that, that show us that there are people who seem to be people who truly have saving faith, but after a time, it's evident that they no longer believe in Jesus. So, how do I know if my faith is genuine saving faith? How do I know that I belong to God and that I have been rescued by Christ? Have you got a few hours? We only have a little bit of time, so I'm going to be brief here. And this will be the short answer. True saving faith follows Jesus to the end. We're not at the end yet. But true saving faith follows Jesus to the end. Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What's the difference between Jesus' disciples who followed him all the way to the cross and then after and those in John chapter 6 who, when he was saying some pretty wild stuff, they said, these are hard sayings. Can we really believe this? And they walked away. They continued, the true followers of Christ, the ones who truly had saving faith, continued to follow Jesus. Well, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Jesus. First, it means to obey his commands. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, none of us will perfectly keep the commandments of Christ. We sang about that. We sang about falling and failing and needing to continue to depend upon the grace of Christ 
in order to stand. So none of us will keep them perfectly, but we will follow him by keeping his commandments, desiring to do what Jesus tells us to do, accepting what Jesus says is good and right as being good and right, embracing what Jesus says is evil and wrong as evil and wrong. In other words, what I'm saying is that true saving faith embraces Jesus both as Savior and as Lord, as Master, as King. We sang about him as King this morning. It means also that we follow him wherever he leads us and we keep our eyes on him. And what I mean by this is that whether he leads us through times of material abundance and personal blessing or times of material hardship and personal suffering, we keep our focus on Christ. That is what Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4. He says, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of abundance and suffering. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul is saying that it is Christ who sustains him in all circumstances, whether good or bad. His eyes are constantly focused on Christ. He is following Christ. Paul puts it another way in Colossians 2, 6 and 7. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith. True saving faith receives Christ Jesus the Lord and then walks or lives life in him. So, faith. You can just have faith. And sometimes things will work out. You can have faith in yourself. And you may accomplish quite a bit by hard work and faith in yourself. Or you can continue to have faith in the God that you have defined for yourself. The one that you think you understand and trust. And those faith, that, those different kinds of faith may carry you through this life. But I think it's important to remember that that's only as far as they will carry you. That though, that kind of faith is temporary. And what I'm talking about this morning is the faith that has been revealed to us in God's word and it, is, it has eternal results. If we put our faith in the truth revealed in God's word about who we are, about who Jesus is, and about what he has done for us, if we embrace that from within, we enter into the family of God as brothers and sisters, and that is an eternal family, which will carry us into the kingdom of God, which I hope and pray is coming soon. 
I hope and pray, is coming soon. But soon in our language is not always the same as soon in God's language. God said that he has appointed a day when Christ will return and the wicked will be judged and Christ's kingdom will be established on the new earth and that is a kingdom that will last forever. And if you have saving faith, if you have put your faith in Christ, you will be a part of that kingdom. What a great hope we have. And what an unbelievably amazing reality we enjoy when we recognize that God loved me, God loved you, and gave his son so that you could be reconciled to him. Put your faith in him. Hold fast to that faith. Let's pray. Lord, I think of Michael Card's song, God's Own Fool. Paul calls preaching foolishness. It's foolishness to the Greeks or to the Gentiles. It's foolish to the the intelligent people. And it's a stumbling block to the Jews. And yet, Lord, we have embraced that truth not as foolishness, but as your wisdom, as you have given it to us. We thank you for giving us your word. We thank you for making yourself known to us in your word and through your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for your grace that grants us faith to believe that we might belong to you and be restored. Lord, we long for the day when Jesus will return. We look for that to be soon for your glory. Amen.